Here we go, rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast, out West, and feeling better is Adam Stenko. Just two plugged-in dudes talking hoops and a little bit of life as we do every Tuesday here on Rejecting the Screen. Coming Thursday, the Going ISO edition, Mo Dakil, the former video coordinator for the San Antonio Spurs. You can read him on The Athletic. You can listen to him on The Athletic's NBA Podcast Network. We'll get into his career, how you make that path work, and what to do when that side of things ends. You can also go back and listen to plenty other episodes of Rejecting the Screen, the Going ISO editions. Ronnie Nunn's has been very popular. And I also appreciate all the nice feedback we got from the very honest little bit of life, speaking of the missed opportunity for the second time in three years to be the Charlotte Hornets radio play-by-play voice. And no, I have not received any feedback or transparency from the organization as of yet. (laughs) Adam, let's start with the NBA's path towards being the NFL, a topic that we brought up last week. And we're going to get into Kyrie. Mm -hmm. But let's start with how the NBA so far is seemingly handling things. The report as we record this on Monday afternoon from Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports was that the NBA is implementing new resting policy for this season with teams prohibited from resting healthy players for any high profile nationally televised game and violation could result in a fine of at least $100,000. So for a league that needs to market stars, but this whole situation is so topsy turvy. It seems like the NBA is trying to chase something when they really should just accept the product for what it likely will be. Yeah, absolutely. I I saw this and thought, okay, I get it that the casual fan would love this idea at first, right? National TV game. The NBA certainly wants their stars to play. Let's have them. Let's have them there out on the floor. They don't want this idea of resting and load management with this negative connotation. But as I started to think about it a bit more, I immediately was struck with a few questions. It's weird. I just said, as I thought about, think about it more. And then I said immediately, but you know what I'm saying though? I I know, I know, I know you know what I'm saying. The first question though, that I had Noah is, is this the season that you just brought up the season that you want to mess with the health of the players? We forget that the idea behind load management is for player safety and health. And all we've heard about as it relates to COVID, but now COVID also means that there are a whole bunch of other dominoes that then fall, that there's a splintering effect. I saw it when I was at the hospital and talking to doctors who said, yeah, we're having a tough time treating people who don't have you know, coronavirus because what do you do with those patients? And in some hospitals, they turn them away altogether, depending on the severity of the illness. And so I wonder now with the schedule that's truncated, now you're talking about this situation where players are going to need rest. They're going to need to stay healthy. And now all of a sudden you're taking away one of the options that teams have, which was to rest players. So that was the first question that I had. You alluded to it. My other questions were, Will the resting be prevalent for non-national TV games now? Curious about that. If you're not going to rest them in a game that you're going to get penalized for, oh, well, we play a team that the Sacramento Kings or the Charlotte Hornets who is aren't going to get the same level of exposure. So 
let's rest our players during those situations. And then the other questions I had were, how will it be enforced by the league? How do you prove that the players are out, even though they're healthy, of course. And the final one for me, how will teams try to skirt it, which I guess those are in a way one and Mm -hmm. the same. You make up an injury and you're out there again two nights later. That's how I remember proposing that the team should do it a while back. But my first thought was, what's going to happen with LeBron? The Lakers have 16 nationally televised games, not counting NBA TV. ABC, ESPN, TNT, 16 nationally televised games in the first half of the schedule that's been released. And LeBron played basketball just like nearly three months ago. He's not going to need some nights off. So to your point of the games that aren't on national TV, I could see LeBron sitting those out. Does this also mean that there's an advantage for teams that don't have as many nationally televised games? We we always think about all the advantages that the Lakers have as, as it relates to free agency. But now is that a huge disadvantage that they're on television so much? 16 of their 72 games are nationally televised games. Whereas you look at other teams around the league and say, oh, they're barely getting any nationally televised games. So you talk about the Grizzlies getting three, the Raptors getting four, the Blazers getting five. If all of a sudden the Blazers come out like gangbusters, they're leading the West. They can rest their guys because those games aren't on TV, at least the early, at least the early TV schedule. And this impacts betting also, because if you think ahead and think, all right, Mavericks, Cavs, that, oh, wow, this could be a game that maybe the Mavericks are coming off a national TV game that Luke is going to play and then he might sit this one, then you've got, say, a plus 10 and a half situation for the Cavs' favor. But then if Luca sits, then that number is going to shrink more. So you'd rather get the more points with the Cavs so you can bet that game early. So maybe it's a situation where you try to get ahead ahead of some of these. And especially early in the season, early, early in this first half of the season, and try to make some money that way. But the league itself, as as we've discussed, Digital numbers are up. Engagement numbers are up digitally. But when it comes to the money, the TV part does matter here. And the optics of it matters here. And it's who can you actually sell as stars? So when you look at the national TV games for the first half of the season, let's go through them. So the Lakers, you're selling not just the Lakers, but you're selling LeBron and AD. You're selling the Celtics 14 with 14 national TV appearances, you're really selling Jason Tatum. So you're mm-hmm. banking on Jason Tatum being the star. The Mavericks, you're selling Luka. The Pelicans, you're selling as the NBA. You're selling Zion. With the Warriors, you're absolutely selling Steph. With the Nets, you're selling KD Kyrie, but selling you're selling them as players, less so as how they appear publicly because KD, I mean, because Kyrie, well, KD's had his own issues on Twitter, but Kyrie, we'll get into in a moment, is shooting himself in the foot. The Bucks, you're selling Giannis. The Clippers, you're selling Kawhi. But how much of a draw is watching Kawhi? He's really not. The Heat don't have the must-tune-in for casual fan guys either. The Sixers do with, with Embiid and Simmons. The Suns do with Booker. I'd argue the Rockets don't because of James Harden 
turning everybody off. And now Steven Silas, their head coach is saying no timetable on when he's going to be back. We're going to get into Harden a bit more with Kyrie. So there are only a certain number of players that the league can sell as you're trying to get a casual fan in with a chance that that player could do something you haven't seen before. And I'd argue that, yeah, there are a lot of really, really good NBA players that NBA fans are really into. But when you're trying to draw those numbers up for stars and the guys that could drop 50 on any given night, those are the ones that the league needs more of. It, it becomes, and this, this idea of the fining teams $100,000, just even that idea is all about perception more than it is about the reality. And what I mean by that is, I don't think the league feels like it has a problem when the stars don't play. The problem is for the league is the idea of load management then being talked about for weeks on Twitter, on radio shows, on Mm -hmm. podcasts. And now everybody's bringing this up as though it's a major problem for the league that these guys aren't playing and, and fans are getting ripped off. And, you know, when they go to the games, well, first of all, I get that point that if you're paying a ton of money and you want to see these stars who are making a ton of money, I mean, John Wallman and uh, Russell Westbrook making $40 million a year, three years that they have player options, each worth $47 million. I get the idea that as a fan, you bring your family and, you know, you pay all this money and then the guys don't play. That's not an issue this season. So I think it's all about the perception and this idea for the NBA of let's tell the fans we're doing this. And I don't see it as much being an issue when it pops up and maybe it will come up a a time or two. They put out a fine. It'll be worth it to those teams to rest those players in a season that's that's shortened as this one is. And I would also argue, Noah, that the same premise holds for the stars in the league. So that when you talk about guys like John Morant and you talk about Devin Booker, uh, let's say Donovan Mitchell, Jazz only have four national games. John Morant's got three. Trey Young, none right now for the Atlanta Hawks. I think De'Aaron Fox for for the Kings, a guy like that, I think those guys can all put on special performances and I think they could bring in outside fans. I think the NBA has this concern again, where it's the perception. Oh, people only know Joel Embiid. They only know about um, Jason Tatum or LeBron James and James Harden and Giannis. And I think that they don't even realize how good the product right now is, even for the teams that aren't getting that TV exposure. I think the networks are worried that those fans aren't coming in to watch those games and they're trying to figure out ways. How can we introduce these players? Well, the best way to introduce the players is to have them go nuts in games and create those headlines. That's the best way to introduce players. They need to do it on the court. And some of the guys have already done it on the court. And for those guys that have, then you've got to introduce them almost like in the Olympic style way where you can do as much as you can behind the scenes, given the times. Well, we don't need to be introduced to Kyrie and James Harden. We just don't know when we'll hear from either one of them. We all know that life can be really stressful under normal circumstances. And this year is just off the charts. So we all need stress relief that goes beyond the everyday little things, you need headspace. It's the daily dose of mindfulness and it's an easy to use app. 
So everything is right there for you. It's one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and med- and meditation through clinically validated research. So actual science is helping you out. You can use it for all sorts of different meditations, not just for adults, but you can do meditation with kids. Kids need it too. And especially these days when not everybody's in school all the time, kids need mindfulness. And that's where Headspace comes in. You deserve to feel happier. And Headspace is meditation made simple. Headspace.com slash locked on NBA. Get a free one month trial. Headspace.com slash locked on NBA. Free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. It's the best deal being offered right now. Headspace.com slash locked on NBA today. Always good conversations here on Rejecting the Screen. The Going ISO editions are great with all sorts of former players, coaches, executives, writers, stories that we promise you've never heard before, and you're going to want to pause the podcast in order to tell your friends. So just go back and listen. Rejecting the Screen, it's all there on the feed. And make sure you're subscribed, rating, reviewing, wherever you get your podcasts. Kyrie Irving put out a statement, Adam, instead of speaking with reporters. Quote, instead of speaking to the media today, I'm issuing the statement to ensure that my message is properly conveyed. I'm committed to show up to work every day, ready to have fun, compete, perform, and win championships alongside my teammates and colleagues in the Nets organization. My goal this season is to let my work on and off the court speak for itself. Life hit differently this year and requires us, it requires me to move differently. So this is the beginning of that change. (laughs) So Kyrie has been quote unquote misconstrued in the past and misunderstood. I would disagree. My thought would be, well, if you don't think that the media is properly translating your message, then I think you might need to work on how to communicate properly. And that has been Kyrie's issue. No, it's made me think a lot about, the stage in Kobe Bryant's career in which he was trying to find himself and where he fit sort of in the world. We talked to Jeff Perlman who wrote three ring circus, the phenomenal book about, about Kobe's early years and Kobe Shaq and Phil and, and them all trying to make it work. And it was interesting because if you recall, when we talked to him, Jeff had said basically that he didn't think at least early on Kobe knew who he was that he needed to find himself and his relationship to the media uh, plays a huge part in that. And eventually Kobe reached this, you know, at first was like he had to be perfect. And then it became, he tried to take on the villain role. And then finally he sort of was himself and he was almost like free. And I, I find that, that Kyrie's gone through the same sort of challenges in terms of this authenticity. And he's not been able to find himself and and I say that because it's it's just like Kobe in that it's these drastic turns where it's, okay, well, you guys are going to take everything I say the wrong way, whether it's the flat earth stuff or whether I'm truly injured with a deviated septum or whatever it is, and you're going to use it against me. So now I'm putting out the statement. And I think he would be so much better served because he is a thoughtful guy. He is a kind person from from what what mm-hmm. I've understood about about Kyrie, and I just find that he's always trying to present himself in a certain way, as opposed to just be.
being sincere. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. He has given voice. I know this for a fact. He's given voice to some younger players in the league that that feel like everything just runs through LeBron, Chris Paul, and the veterans in the league who, who run the Players Association. So Kyrie is giving voice to some of these guys who might be afraid to speak up and just giving them some ideas. He's just not the best messenger because of how he has handled things in the past. What he should have done, and what is a shame is that he can't be face-to-face with reporters. They can't just sit down together, that things need to be coordinated through Zoom and through PR staffs. So what I think Kyrie should do is arrange a conversation off the record with the press. And if he's looking to, it goes back to our conversation we had about Andre Godal, if he's willing to and wanting to build trust with the press, have a truly off the record conversation with a few of the members of the Nets beat reporters who are around the team every day and just try to get out there in the open where he's coming from. And it's almost like you're starting over with that. That's how Kyrie should have approached this saying that this is the only way I can get my message out by typing it out and it can't be misconstrued. Well, you know what? A lot of things can be misconstrued when you type them out because you don't get the emotion and you don't get the other reactions from it, from someone's inflection. Can we move on to James Harden? Because James Harden now, his message is, I don't give an F about anybody and I'm going to go out to a club and throw money around and not wear a mask and not follow protocols. And this is how I'm going to live my life. And I'll call him selfish because that's what he's being is he's being selfish. And if he's going to try to hold the Rockets hostage and say, get me out. He hasn't said that yet as we recorded this on Monday afternoon, but if he's going to hold the team hostage and not report for, well, who knows how long, because Steven Silas, as we recorded this still doesn't know, there's no timetable on when he's going to be there. Then this is going to then impact his trade value. And I would love for the Rockets to say, go ahead, sit yourself out. There's a parallel between those two guys. In, they're different, different personality types. And as you point out, different situations now in terms of how they're dealing with the media and their, and their level of selfishness, if you will. Um, but there's a parallel. And the, the parallel to be drawn is that they are both fantastic players. Fantastic. All-time great players. I will make that argument. They are both all-time great players. The issue is, and this is where there's a comparison to be made, that oftentimes both of them are thought of differently because of how they are off the court. And I'm not talking to talking about how they treat fans in general settings and, you know, they're not they're not rude in that regard, but it's about their relationship with the media and it's about their relationship with their teammates and all. And there is an argument to be made that both of them also have exhibited some level of selfishness on the court, which, of course, I understand that. But many great players are accused of that. Michael Jordan was accused of being selfish. LeBron at times, oh, he's too unselfish to the point that he is selfish. You, you get some of that. Um, you know, what's, you know, there are different stages of great players' careers will oftentimes obviously accused of being selfish. But the thing with Kyrie, and, and, and here it is with, with James Harden that I'm having such, a, such an issue with, is that Harden is showing just, like you said, no regard for the, the general public. And it's this aloofness. And it's so weird because for a guy who works so hard on his game and just wants to go out and play, he then puts on this show otherwise. I mean, to, for there to be video of him in clubs, 
tossing dollars around in a normal year. Fine. I, I don't care. I don't care if you do that, but the night before a game, it doesn't matter to me what you're doing on your off time, but in this environment, when everyone else is asked to sacrifice on some level, I just find it such an insult to so many people in terms of his behavior. And to your point, if it's even worse, if it's to send a message to the team where I don't care, I don't need to show up and I don't need to follow protocol. And you know what, if I'm not there on time, so be it. If that's even like, it's even worse. If that's a message that you're sending, be a man about it and go talk to the team and say, Hey, I don't want to be here. I don't like the direction you guys are going. I don't even know if that's true. We don't know. But the fact that we even have to speculate about it because his behavior is so egregious is is really insulting why would i if i'm another organization why would i want that guy around my team i wouldn't i wouldn't that that type of attitude that doesn't just go away i wouldn't want that type of attitude around my team coming up a little bit of life adam and i both go through rigorous workouts every single day Mm. i rode a bike for eight miles today i wouldn't call it rigorous but in order to get that boost, it was the Built Go that gave me the protein boost, the caffeine boost in a nice flavor. Had the chocolate coconut. Comes in those ounce and a half packages that you just tear off the top, squeeze them out right into your mouth. Usually about three, four squirts and you're good. Chocolate coconut, peanut butter, honey, chocolate mint. I know mm. how that sounded. I know mm. how that sounded. Mm. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into your system fast, easy on the stomach. It's got a lot of B6, a lot of B12, promoting joints, soft tissue, hair, skin health. It makes you look better. Adam right now has never looked better. True. Bilko.com, promo code LOCKED, 20% off your next order. Promo code LOCKED, 20% off at BuiltGo.com. You got a story? Yeah, you know, people have have been interested in me just embarrassing myself. So we're we're going to continue down down that path. We're going to go. We've gone back, Noah. We 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 went back to the time I was at ESPN. We went back to the time I was in college. I think we'll go back even further than that. Now, let's go. Let's go high school. Oh, high school. Yeah. So, um, I was accused by some people of like for some reason, dating girls for like four months and two days and then moving on. Like, I, I don't know why that, I mean, I d- had done that in like consecutive tours of duty, if you will. And then like moved on to the next one. And wait, exactly four months and two days. Yeah. It was, it was a weird, like coincidental thing that happened like a few times in a row. And I really, I don't know what it was, but, but people started to pinpoint you could do exactly that math. And, and so, I, so that, that sort of stuck with me. But during that run, there was a girl who I was. Uh, she was. She was great. We were. Uh, we were good friends during that run. After the fact, yeah, it was a good. Run. Um, but we had split up. I had done a, a video for her, um, which had a great moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back in the listen VHS tape, sort of like a mixtape, but it's taking it to the next level, right? So we remember the cassette tape you'd make or. Mm. You know, you throw something even on a DVD as you got a little older and stuff. Um, what was the name of that uh, company where you stole the music? A kid set Napster? it up. And, yeah. Yeah. So you create a little mixtape there, what have you. Mm-hmm. But 
Um, no, before this, though, this is a VHS tape back back in high school and went and recorded knowing that I would have a future in television production. Of course, I went and did a bunch of interviews with people about our relationship, um, all that. I, and I'll never forget. I interviewed my parents, sit them down on the couch and said, hey, what do you think of our relationship? And my dad just goes, seriously, I think you guys are way too serious. Well, wasn't that serious, Dad? Because I break up with her like a week later. So just relax there. But that's but that's who my dad was. So so anyhow, I end up splitting up with her. But right before I I but sh- we had exchanged somehow like an exchange Christmas gifts, and so this made me think of it as a season of giving here. We had exchanged Christmas gifts, and I broke up with her like right before right before Christmas. But we had already given each other gifts, and so it's like. A week later, right around the time, I probably gave her the video too at that time now that I think about it. But she had gotten me tickets to my favorite my favorite act at the time, Boys to Men. Mm. So the concert set for like another three weeks later. So she then says, as, as we split up and she's bawling her eyes out, it's all emotional, all this. She goes, I still would really like to go with you to the concert. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, you know, I'm of thinking course. like... This girl's a glutton for punishment. Noah, I pick her up, go to the concert. At this point now, it's been a few weeks later. Remember my whole track record. I had now moved on. I was dating someone else. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, And the girlfriend at the time knew. She knew. And I was like, listen, I sort of have to do this. It's like for closure. And I I told her I would. I I promised it when I, you know. I'm more mature now. I know it, it sounds bad, but I'm just saying this was at the time. No, we go to the concert. You know, boys to men fairly well. Yeah. End of the road. Sure. On bended knee, mm-hmm. right? Um, water runs dry. Every song is about breaking up and mm-hmm. the heartache that comes along with it. And they do it as well as anyone. I, I love boys to men. My favorite, my favorite group of all time. And they were crushing it in Philly. Keep in mind, a group from Philly. Right. In Philly, concert was amazing. And the entire time, Noah, she is just bawling her eyes out, just looking at me like, are you sure you want to do this? And it was awful. I had to sit through that. It's this like painful. Oh, it what, do was, mean, what do you mean you had to sit through this? You didn't have to go. I initially yes but i said i i agreed to go i'm curious how how people would take this you have you ever been in that moment where you're 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 sort of sympathizing for someone you just hurt them in some way not not intentionally i didn't mean to hurt her when i broke up with her but i knew she was upset here i'm moving on she was she was devastated and she's like i would still love to go to this concert with you like what should i have done in in the moment i look back now and i think say i don't think that's a good idea is that is that what it's, the, it's it's not it's not it's not a good idea as much as I would love to as much as I would love to go to the concert it's not a good idea it's going to be too emotionally painful for the both of us Oh that's good that's good See if I had had you advising me people don't realize the kind of advisor you are that you're always giving advice sometimes for moolah sometimes not but but you give the best advice had I gotten that then I would have been in a better situation and that car ride back, you know, oh cause then you're God. sitting there. Oh my God. This is then painful. you're sitting there, you know, 
in in Philly, in you know South Philly, in that crowded parking lot, you got to sit as you're as you're leaving. I want to say it was at the Spectrum, but that might even be dating myself. I don't remember if if uh, the new arena had been built yet, um, but I want to say that it was in the Spectrum, and then it must have been. And then we're stuck in that parking lot, Noah, and just sitting there. She's just bawling the whole time, and then it's another forty five minute drive out to the suburbs the whole time once we get out of the parking lot and then I drop her off and then it's just, you know, waterfalls and she's just like devastated that, that, you know, please, please, you sure this is what you want to do all this. And, Oh, just, and now you think of it from a parent, from a parental side. That's, you know, it's your kid walk, your kid walks in the door like that. No, we've talked about, my daughter's about to turn 17. My oldest is about to turn 17. The other one's 14. And then, the baby girl is is eight months. Of course, we have a son too, but we don't like to talk about him. He's he's a handful in his own right. But the girls, <laughs> I think about all the time. And and having two girls in high school right now, it, it's funny because people say as you get older and you have daughters, and they always make the joke like, "Oh, it's going to be tough for you, Dad. Like you got to keep a shotgun by the door, all that." This is this is the truth. It's not about worrying about them. They can take care of themselves physically. And they make really smart decisions. They are way wiser than I maybe even am now. Like they are super mature. What I worry about is their heartbreak. So you do bring up a great point. That is what I concern myself with. Because it's the one thing as a parent now, I can't protect them from. I can't protect them from some guy breaking their heart. And my and my oldest got, got basically stood up for a homecoming date a couple of years ago. And she got in the car and just was just devastated. And I... I I've never felt worse. Like it was, it was the saddest, most helpless feeling to see your kids have heartbreak. I'm, I don't want to end on that note. Can we go, can we go back to this date real quick? Well, date, not date because it was an ex and I know you got to run. I know you got to run too. Yeah. yeah. Did you, one question, well, multiple questions, but quick ones. These are all yes or no. Does she listen to the podcast? Uh, yes, I think, I think so. Oh, God. <laughs> did you hold hands at the concert at any moment no i i don't think that happened no no did you I to put my arm around her like in comfort like maybe a tap on the back one of those like i'm sorry you're dealing with this you burping her <laughs> did you kiss at all no no Prolonged looks of longing for each other. No, not the each other. I, I, I adored her. Like, I think she was an amazing person, but it was one of these things where I, I'd moved on at that point. And she's an awesome person. But it was yeah, like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sure she felt that way at the time. <laughs> uh, you know, and it's all right. It's it's OK. I'm I'm devastated. But you know what? He told me I'm an awesome person. No, I'm saying it now so that, you know, that that's made clear. I always thought she was, she was wonderful. Um, you but sure no, you want me to leave more, this in? It was more about, what's that? You sure you want me to leave this in? Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's more about my own immaturity at the time and how much I've grown, Noah. That's what I've realized now is how much I've grown. But I, it, yeah, so it wasn't a case of me thinking at that point that, that we would get back together. It was more about, you said it, glutton for punishment. And just being young, dumb, and about as foolish as you could get. 
I mean, I've got some breakup stories. She never took one to a boys to men concert after that. And and anybody no. would know that too. You think boys to men, you go, oh, what a romantic night. What an emotional night. Maybe, maybe a couple that's getting back together after they had some issues or something. Not one that broke up three weeks prior. That is just, ugh, I have a little uh, anxiety right now thinking about that. <laughs> That's a little bit of life. You're not going to get it anywhere else on any podcast. Especially one that also talks hoops. Where you're going to get on rejecting the screen every week. You can find us on Instagram at rejecting underscore the underscore screen. If you're the girl, you can find Adam on Twitter at Naismith Lives. I'm at Noah Koslov, C-O-S-L-O-V. Uh... Coming up on Thursday, Mo DeKeel, the former Spurs video coordinator, will join us. Frank Isola, unable to join us on the program. Everything else on the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On NBA, five days a week. Locked On Fantasy Hoops, Josh Lloyd is just killing it. Killing it. A top 25 podcast, a top 25 sports podcast. That's what Josh Lloyd is putting out. Locked On Fantasy Hoops, Hollinger and Duncan, John Hollinger, Nate Duncan, and your team every single day, all 30 teams, every single day, five days a week, you're on the Locked On Podcast Network. Adam, thanks, pal. You are the best. <laughs>